Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. Well, good morning, church. I'm Pastor Clint Wiley. I'm the missions pastor and uh, filling in for Jeremy today, uh, who's out of town. Uh, but what a beautiful legacy that we uh, were able to, to stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us um, 50 years to celebrate. Uh, if you're one of the kiddos, you guys can head back to the back. I believe uh, Whitney's back there to take you to, to Sunday school or children's church this morning. Well, as we, uh, as we continue in, in worship, as we hear the, the word of God, uh, I am uh, reminded of Jeremy's message this last week, uh, the parable of the sower uh, who sowed seeds all over the place, uh, scattered them on all sorts of different soils. And uh, I think after last night, I realized that Houston must be good soil. Uh, because uh, we, have, we, have, we are so fruitful in, in victories uh, in championships, other than the Texans, that there's something went wrong there. I don't know what happened. Uh, I tried to find a way to totally uh, butcher the, um, the context of that scripture in relation to the Astros, and I think I did a successful job. But last year or last week, uh, Jeremy preached on the parable of the sower. Uh, you might know the, par- the, the passage uh, oftentimes more as the parable of the soils where uh, this, the extravagant sower sows seeds all over the place. These precious things of life that a farmer would normally plant very delicately in a certain spot where the ground has been tilled. This, this reckless farmer goes out and scatters them everywhere. This thing, this idea that doesn't quite make sense, this, this image of, the, of, of, a, of a God who, who turns kind of our common understanding of the way things are done upside down. If you, haven't, if you didn't get a chance to listen to that message, I'd encourage you to go back uh, and listen to that on the podcast. Um, that's what I had to do this last week because I wasn't here in Kingwood. Uh, I was 6,000 miles away. In, uh, in a Russian-speaking church in Moldova. Um, I had the opportunity to travel there with uh, a small team, uh, and we got to visit uh, and see and w- work alongside those that we uh, sent over $40,000 in Ukrainian refugee aid to um, over the, this last few months. Uh, what a beautiful way that they uh, have sowed seeds of the gospel into that community uh, in, a, in, a, in a place where Uh, Over 500,000 Ukrainian refugees uh, filtered through that spot. Uh, uh, Many of them went on to other places, but but now they're in this new phase of understanding the the refugee crisis where they have to, uh, they're realizing that those who settled in that spot are realizing that they can't get back into their home. And they have to figure out what life looks like in this new place. And the church is, is walking alongside them, this church, uh, KBC, kind of a network of, of church planters, um, is walking alongside these people to say, hey, the church can be your community. We would love to walk alongside you in this so that you don't just feel like you're coming to get food and, and shelter, but that you feel like you're a part of a community that's giving and taking together. Um, it was uh, just a beautiful opportunity just to walk alongside them. Um, and I'm 
changed by that experience, uh, that extravagant sowing of seeds. Um, thank you, thank you, KUMC, for those who, who gave to that fund, uh, because over there, your uh, every dollar goes ex- like exceedingly further, uh, because the average household income uh, on the year is uh, twenty five hundred dollars, which I can't even fathom. But every one dollar that you gave was like $10 over there. Um, and so it, it went uh, to some incredible, beautiful ways. And I'll, I'll tell a few more stories throughout the message this morning. So as we lean in um, into this, this passage of scripture, uh, I, was, uh, I was given this text before I left. And so I started to kind of read and process through it. And I'm actually in seminary. Uh, and one of the classes that we're studying, we've been studying this passage. Um, and so it, God, God worked that out beautifully. Uh, but I had this great idea. Uh, we're teaching on the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. And I had this great idea that I was gonna get you um, a bowl. I was gonna bring a bowl of mustard seeds so that you could take those, there's just a beautiful illustration, right? That you could take those seeds and you could go back to your, your home and you could plant those seeds and, and watch it grow and watch how it grows. And then, um, so I went online, I purchased the seeds on Amazon and then I went and listened to Jeremy's sermon so I could kind of build off of it. And, and that's exactly what he did last week. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, but when you get a, a sermon series called Seeds of Hope, uh, you can expect that we are going to stock your garden with all sorts of different kinds of seeds uh, because preachers like their illustrations, right? Uh, but as we dive into this passage of scripture, I want to kind of build around uh, some of the context of it. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, um, continuing uh, Matthew's uh, understanding of the kingdom of heaven uh, through the st- stories and parables. But before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Uh, God, we, we honor you today. God, your, your word is alive and active in our lives. And, and so as we read this, God, would you, would you open us up? Would you do the heart surgery that you do? God, may these words be a, a light into our path, a lamp into our feet, and may it lead and guide us as we continue on in this Christian faith. We give thanks, thanks for you and, and, and for the word of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. oh, come on. And all God's people said, Amen. there we go, there we go. So as we look at Matthew, I wanna, I wanna kind of give us some context. Uh, Matthew, uh, each of the different gospel writers, they write from a different context, a different perspective uh, of some of the same stories. And so if you look at parallel accounts of different stories, there's different wording, different, uh, different things. Uh, this, uh, Matthew says that the, the seeds that the sower sows are the, the word of the kingdom. All the rest say that they are the word. And so uh, Matthew really wants to emphasize the kingdom, this coming of a new kingdom. All throughout Matthew's gospel, he talks about the coming of this new kingdom and he compares it uh, up next to the the kingdom of the world. So that you got the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, uh, in contrast to the kingdom of the world. And that the two can't necessarily, the the two things are in opposition to each other. We see this all the way back at the very beginning of Matthew's gospel when he starts with this really boring genealogy. And he's, he's laying out these, these, there's three parts of that genealogy. And the first part, he talks about the, the kingdom of Abraham, the, the pre-king kingdom. 
And Abraham's kingdom, uh, though it, he got the law and, and all of that happened in Abraham's kingdom, we also see the, the fall of man in, uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah. And that kingdom it wasn't sufficient. Then we see David and David's kingdom and, and how they asked for a king and uh, that king uh, failed them. And the king's following continued to fail them. That kingdom wasn't sufficient for the work that God was going to do. And then we see this, this post-king kingdom, uh, the, a third section in that genealogy that lays out uh, the uh, the. Uh, the Babylonian exile and, and how the, the people of God had to, to flee from their, their promised land because they were disobedient. And that, that kingdom didn't work. It didn't work out. And then Matthew does this beautiful thing by introducing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He introduces Jesus into the story. And then we begin to see the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven in opposition to the kingdom of the world. If we continue on in the book of Matthew, we see in the Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus again compare these two kingdoms. You've heard it said this, but I tell you this. He gives a different spin. A new kingdom is coming and the rules change a little bit. It's about your heart, not just about these, these rote actions that we are to do. We see Jesus pulled out to the desert and tempted by the evil one. And the evil one brings him to the top of the mountain and he says, I'm gonna give you all of the kingdom of the world if you just forsake the, the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is like, no, the kingdom of heaven is greater than the kingdom of, wor- of the world. That's not gonna happen. The opposition between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. In the Lord's prayer, the one that we pray so often, we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? This, this inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven into our lives that, that ought to be our prayer on a regular basis that God's kingdom might come closer to earth through us and that the world might look a little bit different, that God's will would be done here on earth. Matthew is playing this out on a regular basis. And so here in chapter 13 is kind of a climax for Matthew. Here in chapter 13, he gives seven parables that give a different understanding, a slightly different understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is. We're not gonna walk through each of these parables, but one of them was the parable of of the soils. So we see here that there's a, that Matthew is teaching that there is a, there's an effect on our lives that happens because of the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven. Let's hear these words. From Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 through 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted in a field. And though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of all garden plants and it becomes a tree. So that the birds come and they perch in its branches. He told still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You see, Matthew clusters these two parables. Oftentimes we just read these in isolation. We read the, the parable of the, of the mustard seed and say, oh, faith like a mustard seed that grows. This is beautiful, you know? And then we read this, this other passage, the parable of the yeast, and we say, oh, that's, that's weird, right? He just kind of cuts it off at the end. And he's like, 
Uh, and then, then they worked it through all the dough. The end, right? Uh, that's weird that they ended there. And it's weird that, they, that he put those two parables together. But I think what Matthew is doing is he's, he's putting these together to, to couple them, to, to group them together in a way that helps us to understand what the kingdom of heaven looks like. It's two pieces to the larger puzzle that we see in chapter 13, 1 through 52. And there's, there's seven parables in that, in that text. It's beautiful. I encourage you to go read it, do some deep dive study on it, but we don't have a time to put together that whole puzzle here today. But we're gonna put together those two pieces. So what is Matthew trying to do here? Let me read this again. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted in a field, though it's the smallest of all seeds. When it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds can come and perch in its branches. You see, in our day and time, we lose a little bit of the context of this because we are not Palestinian farmers, right? Uh, I don't know if any, any of you Palestinian farmers, no? Okay, all right, good. Uh, neither am I, uh, but, but we, can, we can learn a lot from, uh, from this text. Um, in, that, in that society, uh, this would be laughable, Right, that, that Jesus would go and plant a mustard seed in the middle of his garden because nobody plants mustard seeds in the middle of the garden because mustard seeds aren't, aren't this nice, um, nice crop that just grows up and has a little flower on it. Mustard seed is an invasive species. It's like a vine that, that continues to grow into this large tree, this large bush, and it continues to expand and expand and expand. And why in the world would you plant that in the middle of your garden that you're trying to grow crops? It doesn't make any sense. Jesus is a terrible farmer. Why would he do this? On top of that, it attracts the birds and it attracts uh, vermin to, to live in this bush. And why would you want birds and vermin in the middle of your garden when you're trying to grow a cop? That makes absolutely no sense. This is laughable. And they would have known that in the first century text. The reality is, is that uh, when mustard seed is planted, it affects the landscape of the garden around it. Still, he told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. We, most of us get this reference, right? Uh, if you've ever eaten pita bread, right? It's different than a loaf of French bread, right? Because pita bread is without yeast and the French bread is, is much bigger. It's expansive, it's lighter, it's fluffier. It has a different consistency, a different texture because of the yeast. And so... Uh, so we have this, this image of yeast that's been mixed into not just like a daily amount of flour, but, but a significant, like 60 pounds of flour. That's enough, that's a, a serious workload to, to knead in the yeast through all of the 60 pounds of flour. That's enough flour uh, to bake bread for over 100 people in that time. You see, what happens chemically I found this really interesting. What happens chemically when you put yeast in the middle of, of the dough is that the yeast interacts with the, the sugars in the, in the dough. 
And when you put yeast with the sugars in the dough, it, it, it bonds together in some chemical science way. Uh, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of scientists here that know more than I do. Uh, that's why I'm a pastor. I'm not a scientist. But it bonds in some way and it causes some chemical reaction and it releases a gas inside of the bread and it, and it expands into these little pockets. And so when you cut open your bread, you see little pockets of, of air. It's the expansion process. In fact, it doesn't just expand, it actually changes, it transforms the, the makeup of that bread. It's so much so that it's placed on a completely different shelf in the, in the grocery store. So much so that the purpose of that bread is dramatically different than the purpose of the, of the pita bread that is unleavened. What in the world is Matthew trying to do by putting these two passages together? I think there's two things that he's trying to teach us. And, and if, if you're taking notes, uh, I'd encourage you to write these down. The kingdom of God transforms our inward nature. Right? When the yeast, when the yeast of the kingdom of God interacts with our brokenness, with, with, when it interacts with our sin, when it interacts with the, the, the things in our lives that are broken, it begins to mold and shape and transform them. It changes the makeup of ourselves. It changes the way that we understand the world around us. It changes the way that we see ourselves and it brings seeds of hope into the darkest, most broken situations. If you've ever been through something and leaned on the gospel in the midst of that hard time, you know that how could we do this without our faith? It's because when we have the kingdom of God within us, it begins to, to transform our inner nature. Paul, Paul leans into this when he's uh, res responding to, first, to the church in Corinthian, um, the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He's responding to the love of Christ displayed by Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection. He says, um, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. He's emphasizing this transformation that happens when we encounter the seeds of hope, when we encounter the yeast of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. He continues in, in Romans chapter 12, he says, um, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Be transformed by the way that you think be transformed inward out and it should change the entire makeup of who you are if you interact with, the, with God. I had an opportunity when we were in, um, in Moldova to interact with uh, a woman named Valentina. Valentina makes about $1,800 a year off of her, her pension. Um, she is crippled and uh, can't really get out of the house. She's 85 years old uh, and she hasn't had a visitor come to see her in uh, in, in over 10 years, 10 years without really interacting with somebody else, without anybody coming and sitting alongside her. 
See, one of the, one of the side effects of this, this refugee crisis is that uh, the vulnerable populations in that community lost a lot of their resources because their resources were diverted to this crisis. And so those people who were pouring into and investing in, uh, in those, those vulnerable populations had to divert their resources other places and these, these people got neglected. Well, we got connected with, with Valentina and, uh, and I, I had this idea um, that I was gonna introduce myself by telling her that I love her. And that because I love her, that's, I love her because of Christ's love for me. So I, I worked it out with my, uh, my translator, like, how do you say that? You know, and my Russian's not great. Um, and I was a little bit gun shy because uh, the last time I tried to do this same thing, it was in Czech Republic and, uh, and I, I said, uh, I love you because Christ loves you. And I kept getting these really weird looks, like kind of like freaked out looks by these, these kids that I was telling this to. And one of the leaders pulled me aside. He said, uh, hey, so in, in Czech, we don't have a word for love, like a brotherly love or like, like a, a agape, like Jesus kind of love. You just told that kid that you have an erotic love for him because Jesus has an erotic love for him. And I was like, oh, we gotta, we gotta divert. We gotta change. So I was a little gun shy going into this conversation. But as we were having this conversation, um, I told her that I love her and, and she like looked at me like really confused. Like, how could you love me? You don't know me. She was skeptical of anybody even coming into her house because she hadn't had an interaction, a conversation like this. And we brought her this bag of food that was like $20 of food, which was like three months of her, her wages, which was or three months of, of, of food budget for her. And she was blown away by that act of love. And then she was blown away by this American coming and telling her that, that he loves her because this Jesus guy loves her and that there's no way that this Jesus guy could ever die for her or love her that kind of way. And as, as that conversation happened, as, as we began to, to knead the yeast into the dough, it began to interact with her brokenness, with, with her, her story and her world. And she just kept looking at me like dumbfounded and tears started streaming down her face. And she said, I've never experienced love like this. I don't even know how to process this. But she told me, she said, but today, before you came, I wanted to jump out of that window because I didn't want to live on the eighth floor of this concrete, Soviet constructed complex. And at the end of our conversation, she said, but there's, there's something about this love that makes me want to live. Those are the seeds of hope. When, when the yeast comes into our life, it begins to transform who we are. The second thing that I think this, this passage teaches us is that uh, the kingdom of God, Jesus, changes the landscape of the world around us. You see, farmers didn't want to plant mustard seed in their garden because it grows up and looks something like this. Talk about an invasive species. I don't, I don't know what you had in your mind, but that wasn't what I had in my mind when I started to look up what Palestinian mustard seed looks like. You see, there's incredible irony in this passage because 
This species wrecks the crops that, that the farmer is trying to grow. Because this species expands rapidly, if, if invasively. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like in our lives. The kingdom of God wrecks our vision for what our garden ought to look like. When the kingdom of God is is made manifest in our stories, it should change the garden that we're planting. It ought to invade the places that we plant it. It ought to invade the way that our home looks. It ought to invade our work environment. It ought to invade our relationships. It ought to invade our, our politics. It ought to invade our schools. It ought to... It, it ought to invade everything, every sphere that we find ourselves in. It ought to expand evasively and begin to change the landscape of the world around us. The kingdom of heaven doesn't look like a nice tame house plant that we plant up and we crop and we water and, and, it, and it has like flowers and we can breathe the oxygen. No, it is aggressively changing the world around us. At least it ought to be. See, oftentimes we, and I I say we because I include myself in this, oftentimes we want Jesus, but we often don't want him to mess up, mess with our stuff. So many times we want Jesus, but we want him to look a certain way. We want him to be that nice little centerpiece in our garden that, that just puts the capstone on it. But the reality is, is that it, it looks a little bit ugly because it messes with our stuff, because it changes the environment, it changes the landscape. It welcomes in the bird that's gonna eat the crops that mess with our stuff. And it says, you have a home here. It welcomes those. It was beautiful to be able to work alongside KBC, this church that that had embraced this refugee people. And they were working on embracing the Russian refugees as well which nobody wants, which there's no, no support, no funding for the re- Russian refugees that want nothing to do with what Putin is doing. And the church is saying, how do we wrap our arms around these people? KBC has a beautiful saying that they live by. They say, belonging before believing, which means that you belong to this place even if you don't believe what we believe. You belong in this community long before I know anything else about you, but I know that you're a child of God and you belong here. If our, if our garden is kicking people out because we don't want them to mess with it, then maybe we're not embracing the kingdom of heaven that is contrary to the kingdom of the world. Our gates ought to be open for the vermin to come in and eat of our garden. We ought to be opening ourselves up to the world in beautiful ways. The kingdom of God is meant to be shelter to the world around us. Now, we can, uh, when we look at these parables, it's easy to, um, when you're, when you're compares, comparing the world to these uh, metaphors, it's, it's easy to get like way too far because metaphors have their end. 
uh, and I'm, I'm tippy-toeing this line here, but uh, I feel like, but when I was researching it, it was like too, too amazing to not, to not go here. But does anybody know what family the mustard seed is in? No? Do we have a botanist in the room? Uh, the family that a mustard seed is in, and this, this blows my mind, is called the cruciferous family. The cruciferous family is an informal classification for members of the mustard family that comes from the Latin term crucifere, which means cross-bearing, because the four petals resemble a cross. I don't think it's, I, I, I know that they didn't have in mind whenever they were writing the, the, when Matthew was writing the parable of the mustard seed, he didn't have the Latin phrase that would be coined as crucifere in mind. But, but God, God is so stinking cool. Like what are the chances that, that to have the kingdom of God here in our midst means that we must bear the cross? It means that we must die and sacrifice those things that we held so sacred that the garden that we wanted to build for the kingdom of heaven, that our lives ought to be completely changed by the yeast within our, our bread and the seed that, that expands and it is invasive in the culture that we live in. We see this in the, in the way the, the first century disciples went from scared to setting the world on fire for Jesus because they had the yeast within them, the Holy Spirit moving within them to change, transform them and make them outwardly focused. We celebrate all saints as we go to the table in a moment, our band can come back up. But as we celebrate all saints today, we stand on the shoulders of those who, who embodied this kind of, of kingdom of heaven nature. Many of you are living this out even today in the ministries that you're involved in and the ways that you're serving. I wanted to just, just highlight a few things, a few ways in which I've seen this recently here in our church the way I've seen the kingdom of God in breaking. Some of you are, are welcoming and, and, and adopting and fostering kids. Man, what a beautiful thing to allow them to shelter in your branches. Some, some of you are welcoming neighbors into your home, fostering relationships through meals. There's a group of congregants that God stirred their hearts and they're in the process of opening a group home in Kingwood called Jay's House for boys in the foster care system. Another group of people adopted uh, an Afghani refugee family that's, that is resettling here in Houston through a program called well, Houston Welcomes Refugees. There are many of, you, many of you who have started mentoring youth through foster elementary Uh, one of our, our own, Carol McNally, uh, is running a, an ESL, uh, and she sent me a note today that just to kind of talk about their class, and they have 28 different students from Ecuador, from Uruguay, from Vietnam, from Honduras, from Iraq, from 
uh, Lebanon, from Pakistan, from Russia, Algeria, Mexico, Venezuela, Jordan, Brazil, and Argentina. We could have like a World Cup team right there. <laughs> but all coming into this place to hear, to, to learn how to speak English and, to, and infused with the gospel message of Christ. God said, go and be disciples to all, the, all of the nations. Well, the nations are coming here to us. What a beautiful opportunity to disciple. So I wanna, I wanna just leave you with this as we, as we take, come to the table together. When we interact with God, when we take seriously this call to allow the kingdom of heaven into our story and into our life, it ought to dramatically change our inside, but it also ought to send us outside invasively into our culture. Would you come to this table to experience that love and that grace? On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread and he broke it with his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he rose it and he gave thanks. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Do this as often as you meet in remembrance of me. So Holy Spirit, would you pour out your presence in this place? God, would you help us to stand on the shoulders of the saints who have gone before us? The disciples who, who passionately pursued you. God, would you make these things the body and the blood of Christ as we remember your sacrifice? God, that you might make us the body of Christ, redeemed by your blood, that we might go into the world and be invasive in our culture. God, we give thanks and we love you. So pour out your presence on us today. Amen.